Good afternoon, everyone. We're broadcasting from the AM 1160 The Quest studio this hour. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Ike, Carol Tearsmith, and Jack Tyson. And on the phone, we're blessed to have Father Jim Blunt with us again from the Society of Our Lady of the Trinity. For those of you who might have missed the first few interviews we've done with Father Jim, they're available to listen to at thequestatlanta.com or on our Quest Atlanta app under programs. And if you haven't gotten to download the app yet, it's very easy to do. You just go to your app store or Google Play store and search for Quest Atlanta and then just click download. Um, And so coming up this hour, we're going to be learning more about the Flame of Love movement. Welcome, Father Jim. Thanks for joining us today. And God bless you and all the team and all of your listeners. Thank you. You know, we know all good things starting with with prayer. So would you please lead us in an opening prayer? Yes, guys. Would you all say this, even our listeners, say this after me, line by line, the amazing and approved unity prayer from the Flame of Love movement. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. My adorable Jesus. My adorable Jesus. May our feet journey together. May our feet journey together. May our hands gather in unity. May our hands gather in unity. May our hearts beat in unison. May our hearts beat in unison. May our souls be in harmony. May our souls be in harmony. May our thoughts be as one. May our thoughts be as one. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our lips pray together. May our lips pray together. To gain mercy from the Eternal Father. To gain mercy from the Eternal Father. Amen. Amen. And why don't we say the little insert prayer, too, is the prayer of victory. That first prayer paralyzes the evil spirit from attacking us and anyone who's listening. And the second one is going to help bring about the era of peace, the great victory that our Lord and Our Lady prophesied at Fatima and other places as well. So if you could say this after me, it's a short little prayer, very beautiful. O Blessed Lady. O Blessed Lady. Spread the effect of grace. Spread the effect of grace. Of thy flame of love. Of thy flame of love. Over all of humanity. Over all of humanity. Amen. Amen. God bless you and God bless our words today. May we speak only in his Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Carol, you want to kick us off for this hour? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I just want to say, uh, Father Blunt, we got so many calls last week. Uh, it's like, where's Father Blunt? We were expecting <laughs> to have him on. So I know every, you've been, um, anx- everyone's been anxiously awaiting your uh, your talk with us today. So thank you again. You're welcome. Thanks for your concern and your and the kindness of your people. Great. Great. You know, Father, we've talked a lot about different apparitions, and um, we have so many as Catholics and the devotions that are, you know, to the Blessed Mother. And we were wondering if you would explain to our listeners, both um, maybe our non-Catholic listeners, about the devotions that Catholics have to the Blessed Mother. Thank you. That's a beautiful question, and it's a very important one in our time. 
Uh, you see, because there's actually a, another set of apparitions over in the Netherlands called Our Lady of All Nations. And they were approved recently by both the bishop and the auxiliary bishop there. And those apparitions speak about honoring Mother Mary worldwide, Catholics and non-Catholics, and about proclaiming several new doctrines of the Church. And the reason I mention that is because heaven, heaven looks upon the Virgin Mary really as a magnet, and that Mary is actually an efficacious sign of unity. And so there are many who are afraid, well, let's not talk about the beautiful Mother Mary, this pearl of great price. Let's not talk about her, because that will cause division. But Jesus and his Father think just the opposite, that the more that Mary is loved and honored, the more that unity will come about. Isn't that interesting? A whole different way. And actually, Jesus mentioned that in sacred scripture. He says, my ways are not your ways, O man. As far as the east is from the west are my ways from yours. So Mary is a sign of unity, and she will be the one who brings our beloved Protestant brothers and sisters and others into the one fold of unity. Now, why should we honor Mary? Well, I always go back to the Ten Commandments and the Fourth Commandment. See, the good Lord gave us all Ten Commandments, and he actually wrote them on our hearts. And that means there's people who are not even baptized in, in foreign lands, who've never read the Bible, who've never heard about the gospel, and yet the Ten Commandments are written in their hearts. In other words, everyone knows it's not right to steal. We all know that. Why? Well, it's part of our nature. God has written it into our hearts. So we call that the natural law. So the Ten Commandments are a reflection of the natural law. And what's the fourth commandment? Honor thy father and thy mother. And here's what I want to proclaim, first of all, is that God keeps the Ten Commandments. He gave them to us, He wrote them, He promulgated them, but He also follows them. God keeps the Ten Commandments. And God would not tell me to honor my mother if He Himself would not honor His mother. What kind of example would that be to any of us, you see? God honors His mother, God gave us the Fourth Commandment, and God keeps the fourth commandment. So that's the first thing. We should not expect Jesus and his Father to disobey or to violate the very law they gave us. And so that's one reason why we want to honor Mother Mary, is because it's part of the fourth commandment. And to extend it just another step, that if I met, let's say, your mothers, let's say I met the mother of Annie or Stephanie or Jack or just for Carol, they say I met your mother tomorrow, and I disrespected your mother in front of you. Now, I love you as a friend, but I, I disrespect your mother. That would be so insulting to you, not only to your mother, but to you, and so painful if I were to insult your mother or disrespect her in front of you. And how can I think that God is pleased when I disrespect his mother in front of him? I mean, it doesn't even make sense at all, of course. And you can take that another step further. God wants me to love everyone. He wants me to disrespect no one in the whole world, even my enemies, he said. His only son said, love your enemies. If I'm to love my enemy, let's say Adolf Hitler, why am I not to love his mother? So if you take this logically, and we have to be people of logic, you see, 
Jesus is called the Word of God. But in Greek, the, the better term is the logos of God. He's the logos of God. And logos means rationality. It doesn't mean just word, but rather it means meaning. See, a word expresses a meaning. Jesus is the logos of God. He's the meaning of God, the wisdom of God. He's called the eternal wisdom. So we Catholics, we Christians, we are, first of all, a people of logic, a people of truth, you see, we should not be illogical in any way, because logic and truth will always lead us to love. They always lead to love. And so on the very basis of logic and truth and the Ten Commandments, then we certainly, we should honor God's mother and everyone's mother. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, I think those are some of the beginning reasons, and if I could, I'm going to mention this as well. This is biblical. And this is part of, you know, biblical spirituality, is that the fall of the human race, let's say this mess that we're in, that has lasted for all these thousands of years, and so here we are with COVID-19, another result of another sin of man, with this, this man-made virus that somebody funded and somebody else spread. This is another form of sin. And it all started with Adam and Eve in the garden, and we know that the, the serpent seduced, not Adam, he seduced Eve. And Eve, you might say, seduced her husband into the sin. And so we, there's a pattern there that the devil appeared to a woman. And he, the woman brought about the downfall of the human race by fooling her husband. They took this fruit of a tree. So when God wanted to reverse that, he did just the opposite, you see? So God raised up another woman named Mary. She's called the New Eve. And he sent to her not an evil spirit, but a holy spirit. He sent Gabriel, the archangel. And Mary said yes to God's plan, not no. And she encouraged not her husband, so to speak, but her son to say yes to the plan all the way to Calvary. And he died on a tree, another tree. The fruit of that tree is eternal life. And so we see God is reversing what the devil did in the garden. And uh, a pivotal part of that reversal that God is doing here is he's undoing what Eve did. In fact, what he's doing, the Lord, he is raising up the dignity of woman. The devil tried to smear half the human race to begin with by hurting Eve and fooling her. We call her now Saint Eve and Saint Adam. That's how she a doctrine of the church. We believe Adam and Eve are in heaven, that their souls were saved, that they repented of their sins. But one thing the devil did in the garden is he, he hurt men and women. And here the Lord is trying to reverse that. No, 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 all women are not bad. There are holy women, there are saintly women. And I will give you an example, a new Eve. And this new Eve will never follow the deceptive advice of the demon. This new Eve will always say yes to God and the angels. And so we see in Mary the pattern of the new woman, that women are not bad. Women can be incredibly holy, just as holy as men, if not holier. So there's something very important and timely about this, you see, that in Mother Mary, honoring Our Lady, this is one of heaven's ways of honoring every woman on the face of the earth. 
let every woman take as their model, uh, not so much Eve. We, we love Eve, and we believe she's in heaven now. We can even pray to her, by the way. But take as your model the Holy Mother, the Mother of God. And this is another reason for our Protestant brothers and sisters and others to raise up Mary, because it's a way of giving dignity to all the women in your family and all the women in the community. God loves women equally, and Mary is a resplendent example of what God has in mind for, the, you might say, the fairer half of the human race. Great, great. Thank you, Father. That's You're great. welcome. Yeah, this is, um, again, I'm Carol Tearsmith, if you're just joining us, and we're here today with Father Jim Blunt, and today we're uh, talking about uh, the Blessed Mother, and we're uh, also talking about the uh, Flame of Love movement, which really leads into our next question with Father Blunt. Um, We've been talking about this Flame of Love for the last several weeks, and uh, why is this Flame of Love devotion so important to us, both as Catholics and as uh, Protestants. Well, you see, um, especially this, the time period we're in right now, the last few months, that we're seeing the result of sin and what's happened in the whole world. It's like it shut down the world is what it's done. And it shut down the churches as well. And what we need in, in the world and in the churches is we need revival. The church needs to be revived as well. The church has been shut down, like really crippled, you might say, in the last couple of months. It's really kind of sad Mm -hmm. to see like government authorities, many of whom are godless, um, ordering and commanding the church what she can and can't do. There's something about that that doesn't fit right. It doesn't feel right, you see. Mm -hmm. So in in all of this, we see that the, the church is crippled and the world is dying. Well, actually, that's been the case for the last 30 years. Just the COVID-19, this outbreak we're in right now, the shutdown, is bringing it to the fore. It's making it very, very clear. And so the church always needs revival. And churches all over the world, countries have experiences at different times. What we need now is a worldwide revival, a worldwide revival where the church can be, you might say this, restored to her her primitive roots, that she might be restored to the biblical roots, that she could be restored to the Acts of the Apostles, the fifth book in the Holy Bible, that we become again a church that's young and vibrant. The church was never meant to be like old and, and dying, which is sort of like what we're experiencing right now. And indeed, maybe this is good, that the church just needs to get on with it and die so she can rise up again and have a resurrection. And that's what some saints have prophesied, that just as our Lord Jesus, the head of the church, the bridegroom of the church, just as he had to die on Calvary and then rise for our salvation, his bride must follow him on the same route. She too must go to Calvary, she must die, and she must rise again. And so really, you might say the church is in the midst of death pangs right now. Well, this actually has been prophesied, and it it makes sense that the bride would follow the bridegroom. If she really loves him, she will follow him all the way to the grave. But you see, that's the good news, is that for, for we Christians, and please God, one day the whole world will be Christian, for we Christians, life doesn't end at death. Life is just getting started. It's just beginning. Because Jesus has truly conquered death itself. 
He's actually conquered death in every possible way. And so the church will rise up again after all of this. The church needs a resurrection. She needs a revival. And the flame of love devotion and the prayers, the two of them we did at the beginning of the show, these are heaven-sent instruments to breathe into the church a new life and a new fire. We have to become something more than just an organization, you see? The church can't just be an organization. And we sure don't want our priests just being CEOs or executives. A priest should be a father, not an executive. He's a father to God's people, just like Jesus. And we want the church to be something vibrant and alive and and something young. I remember once when I was, um, I'm a missionary priest, and I had several parishes in the Central American country of Belize. And when I was down there, I would say masses all across the country and also in Mexico, in Guatemala, because they were close by. And one day, there was a beautiful family that belonged to my church in Belize City, a church called Divine Mercy Catholic Church, a beautiful church. We were very, you might say, charismatic. We were very much open to the Holy Spirit. And there was a beautiful family that would come every week faithfully, a grandpa and a grandmom and their grandson. And this beautiful little boy was kind of holy. He was like three or four. His name was Jordan. And Jordan just was tuned in to the Holy Spirit and loved the Lord. And they would come to Mass every Sunday faithfully. And one Sunday, as they were heading to Mass, to Divine Mercy Church, little Jordan was strapped into his car seat in the back. And Grandpa and Grandma, they kept driving. They went right past Divine Mercy Church. And kept on going down the highway. And they went to another church that day, a Catholic church, but in another part of the city, because there was, a, I think, a special First Holy Communion, if I remember correctly, that somebody in their extended family was receiving First Holy Communion at another Catholic church. So they pulled in finally to this other Catholic church on the other side of the city. And there's seven or eight Catholic churches there in Belize City. They pulled into another one, and Jordan, this time, curiosity got the best of him, but also anxiety. As they pulled into the parking lot of this other church, little Jordan just propped up on his back seat, and he he shouted out to his his grandparents, and he said to them, No, Grandpa and Grandma, no. He said to them, This church is dead. Oh, my gosh. Now, this is a four-year-old boy, a (laughs) four-year-old. Listen, if four-year-olds know that churches are dead, you better believe your teenagers know it, too. Oh, my gosh. He said that on his own with no conversation. Wow. Goodness. Isn't that amazing? It is. The grandparents told me the story the same afternoon when they got back. But here's what was consoling to me as a pastor, though. It was very enlightening to me. They said that after Jordan said this, he was exasperated. He was crying. He said to them, let's go to Divine Mercy Church. (laughs) That really touched my heart. You see, that little boy, he loved the Holy Spirit. And see, this is what all of us want. Even my grandmothers, I had holy grandmothers. They, we want life, you see. I don't care if you're 85. We want life. We don't want death. And we should not have that in our Catholic churches or any church. It should not have the odor of death. 
And the Sunday liturgy should not be a funeral mass. It's not a funeral mass. It's supposed to be a celebration of Easter, of resurrection, of revival. It is an ancient tradition in the Catholic Church, and it's very profound, actually. It's in all the liturgical uh, documents, if you read them well, about the Catholic liturgy, is that the fathers of the Church actually titled Sunday, the Sunday Mass. They called the Sunday all during the year. Every Sunday Mass was called Little Easter. <laughs> that was actually a technical term. It's a common term used all over the world in the Catholic Church for, for millennia, that every Sunday was Little Easter. And so that, that brings up, you see, that the idea is that our Sunday Masses and our Sunday homilies should be joyful. Mm-hmm. that we should experience life. Not that we don't have serious things. We do even here on our interview we're having serious things. But we don't have to be morbid, you see. Serious doesn't mean sad. We can be serious and happy. And our churches and our liturgies, they should be filled to overflowing with joy. And we should feel like tingling, you might say, all over our skin, the joy of the Holy Spirit. But the world is dying. And there's only one in the history of the world who actually proved that he was life. His name is Jesus. He says, I am the life. I am the way and the truth and the life, he said. And he proved it by, with his own power rising up from the grave. And so as the world is dying, we need life like never before. We need Jesus. And our Lord told the mystic, Elizabeth Kindleman, that Jesus was and is the flame of love. The flame of love, you might say, is the resurrection power of Jesus. We have never needed the resurrection more than in 2020. We need the resurrection. We need the flame of love. We need the life that is Jesus. We need it now more than ever. And these new prayers are a way of bringing that life to the whole world. And it's one of the promises that our Lord gave to Elizabeth. He, he told her that just a handful of people, that's one of the promises of this devotion. He told her categorically. He said, um, just a, through a few people, he told her, I'm actually quoting from December the 2nd, 1963, and these words have an imprimatur. Our Lady then promised to Elizabeth, quote, through a few people, a great outpouring of grace will change the world through a few people. In other words, those listening to us right now on the radio and on the Internet, it takes a few. Through a few people, a great outpouring of grace will change the world. Let no one refuse my invitation. Mm-hmm. And so this is, you might say, uh, the purpose of the Flame of Love movement is to bring the resurrection life of Jesus back to the church so the church can rise up from her crippled status right now and bring life and conversion to the human race. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Father, it's Steph. Uh, hi, Steph. Hi. <laughs> you know, it sounds to me like the flame of love and the rosary kind of knit together since Mary's asked us to insert this little prayer in the Hail Mary, like she did at Fatima, asking us to add something to the rosary. Do you think so? Do you think they're knit together, the rosary and the flame of love? Yes. I mean, it has to be said that the rosary is Mary's chosen instrument. No, that hasn't changed. And 
this is what we notice about all what we call private devotions or private revelations. Now, private doesn't mean that it's only to be read in the, in the closet. That's a technical term in theology. It, it, it's meant to be contrasted with what's called public revelation. In public revelation, basically you find it in the catechism of the Catholic Church. You find it in the Bible. That's, that's the Christian faith handed down to us once for all by Jesus through the Twelve Apostles. But there's also private revelation that, you might say, complements public revelation. It never contradicts it. It sort of polishes it off, and it applies it to certain eras of history. And there are many examples of private revelation in history. So this flame of love devotion is a private revelation for our time. It's not going to contradict public revelation. It's not going to contradict anything Our, our Lady has said and done before. And so really what happens is that the flame of love prayer that we add to the rosary, you see, is not contradicting the rosary. It's enhancing the rosary. Mm. It's, it's making the rosary much more efficacious. I mean, hard to speak, mm-hmm. let's say, scientifically, so to, you know, so to speak. It's, it's making your rosary ten times more powerful. Who wouldn't want that, you know? Yeah. Like it's, it's like trading in your grenade for a nuclear bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? We need a few nuclear bombs right now, you see? (laughs) Right. So it's enhancing the power of the rosary. At the same time, the rosary enhances the flame of love. So they're they're mutually supportive. Mm -hmm. And the rosary, because, because we say the rosary every day, and really every Christian should pray the rosary, including our beloved Protestant brothers and sisters. And truth be told, even our Jewish brothers and sisters, we all should be praying the rosary every day. But when you pray the rosary, then automatically you're praying the Hail Mary 53 times a day, minimum. Mm -hmm. And therefore, by praying the rosary and inserting the flame of love prayer, we're saying it 53 times, minimum, every day. And that's powerful. So in other words, Mama wants to protect us from just using the little prayer, let's say, once. Mm -hmm. And that's good, but it's like many people, when I go to speak to them about counseling or spiritual direction, teenagers and adults, and I said, one, one of the important questions in spiritual direction is, do you pray every day? And very often when we ask that question, you know, in a gentle way, but we have to, if we want to give spiritual direction, then sometimes people start swimming in their seats. And they say, well, yes, and oh, good, tell me, what do you do? And what it comes down to is that many people, including many adult Christians, pray all of one, two, or three minutes a day. And that's it. One or two, three minutes a day. And so, you see, prayer is a relationship. Prayer is not just a function, and it's more than a duty. Prayer is a relationship, and it's a sweet relationship with a sweet God. And the rosary, if does nothing else, it extends my prayer time from one minute to maybe 20 or 30 minutes. That's good. Mm-hmm. The more time we spend rubbing shoulders with Jesus and Mary, the better, you see? <laughs> because, you know, you are your company. You said the company you keep will make you, whatever mm-hmm. company you keep. And that includes, by the way, the television and the Internet. Whatever company we keep is going to make us or break us. So let's rub shoulders with Jesus and Mary. Let's keep company with them. Because I want to tell you, if you hang around with a saint, you start becoming saintly. That's what happens. If I hang around with gangsters, I start becoming like a gangster. It's true. If I hang around with drug dealers, I may become a drug dealer or a drug user. 
is surely true. This happened to me as a teenager. If I hang around with people who cuss, I'm going to start cussing. And I didn't even realize it when I was a boy. Uh-oh, we might have dropped. Oh, there, oh, there you well, are. Yeah. You dropped out for a second there, Father Jim. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. We're just... but I was saying that yeah. with, with cussing and cursing, that, that caught me as a teenager because I was hanging around other boys who were cursing. And a, a friend pointed it out to me, and I was so embarrassed. Oh, my gosh. But it really brought home to me that we, we are the company we keep. We have to be very careful. And so prayer is a way of keeping company with nothing less than the God-man mm-hmm. and his holy mother whom he respects and loves. Mm-hmm. And so praying the rosary enables us to stay in contact with God for a longer period of time, which changes our life. And it enables us to really call down the flame of love in an impactful way. Not just saying it like once, but to say that beautiful prayer at least 53 times to, to help change the world. Because, again, that promise of our Lord and Our Lady is that a few people will change the entire world. And so the rosary is very helpful to extending and drawing down the flame of love. They end up helping one another. The flame of love enhances the rosary, makes it into an explosive weapon, and the rosary enhances the flame of love by making it available more than just once, but repeatedly throughout the day. Oh, wow. All right, y'all, we've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more from Father Jim Blunt. Stay tuned. I'm Miriam Plakta from St. Peter's Chanel in Roswell, Georgia. You're listening to Atlantic Catholic Radio, AM 1160, The Quest. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. You're pregnant? What are you going to do? This response puts abortion on the table. Although what are you going to do is a common response, this is not what you say when your friend tells you about her unplanned pregnancy. Women are created to nurture life. No woman truly wants to kill her own child. Unplanned pregnancies can be scary. 74% of women who've had abortions say that if one person would have offered support to help them, they would have chosen life. This approach, congratulations, you'll be a great mother and I'll help you, can be just what she needed to hear. God sent you to help her. Call 1-800-712-HELP to find the closest free pregnancy center. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, community organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160 The Quest's community calendar. It's easy, and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com. Click on events and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of The Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. Pregnancy Aid Clinic, a Catholic Pregnancy Resource Center, serves women in Metro Atlanta with free medical services, parenting classes, baby supplies, and more, providing options and tools families need to choose life. For information or to help a family in need, visit PregnancyAidClinic.com. AM 1160 The Quest is your Metro-wide Atlanta Catholic radio station. Our programming is rooted in the teachings of the Catholic Church and helps listeners learn new and fascinating aspects of our faith. 
Here at The Quest, our mission is simple and powerful, to invite, inform, and inspire listeners to embrace their journey of faith through the beauty of the Catholic Church. The Quest team continues to hear wonderful testimonies from listeners all around Atlanta. One listener shared, The Quest helps me grow my faith every day I listen. Every day, I feel the Holy Spirit talking to me through The Quest. If I have a question, it seems like the answers come to me through this Catholic radio station in a timely manner. I enjoy the programming, and yes, it has changed me. It's definitely changed me. None of this would be possible without listeners just like you. We are a 100% listener-supported station. A donation of any amount helps to cover the ongoing operational expenses. Your donation is helping to bring your fellow Catholics and Christians closer to Christ. To donate, visit thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, we're broadcasting from the AM 1160 The Quest studio this hour. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Ike, Carol Tearsmith, and Jack Tyson. And joining us on the phone is Father Jim Blunt. And we're so excited to be talking about the Flame of Love movement. Yes, thanks for having me. And what a joy for all of us to speak about and to hear about these heavenly things. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's wonderful. You know, Father, I have absolutely fallen in love with the unity prayer. I've, me- I've memorized it. My husband and I say it three times a day at least. And when I'm driving, I'm saying it. So I just love it. And, you know, we said that prayer in the in the beginning of the hour. And our listeners have had a chance to get to know that prayer. And I bet you many of them are starting to fall in love with it, too. But you mentioned that it blinds Satan. So what does Our Lady mean when she says that the unity prayer blinds Satan? Well, it's a very good question, and I'm just having a, a memory right now as you're asking me that. Having been in Hungary in Budapest just a few months ago, and sitting right next to Cardinal Peter Erdo, who's a brilliant man. He's a primate of Hungary, and we, our group was privileged to meet with him while we were there on a Flame of Love pilgrimage. And he, too, was speaking about this. And they were very careful in examining the claims and in testing it. It took more than 10 years before they finally gave a complete imprimatur and a total approval. And the first thing I would mention then is this, is that, you know, the idea of blinding Satan is not completely new. And that's probably what we were talking about a few minutes ago about public revelation and private revelation, that these um, special private revelations, um, they're not contradicting the deposit of faith. They're not contradicting the Catholic faith. They're enhancing it. And they're bringing to the fore, they're like shining a special light on a special part of the faith that's already been revealed to make it much more clear and maybe to apply it in a specific way for a specific time. And so the idea of blinding Satan, we've actually heard from other saints over the the centuries. And that you could say this in general, prayer has a way of blinding the devil. Just in general, it certainly does especially when you go to Holy Mass in adoration. But Our Lady said that this prayer would be even more efficacious in that regard, that unlike in the past, she said her son is giving a new power, a new power to this prayer and to both of these prayers that we've been using to blind the devil in an unprecedented way. In other words, as St. Peter said, from the Holy Bible, St. Peter said that the devil is prowling like a roaring lion, looking for whom he might devour. Mm. 
That's never been more true than today. Even with the coronavirus, he's prowling like a lion to see who he can devour, not just with the disease, but also with the fear that the media is so delightfully stirring up in everyone. The coronavirus mm-hmm. is a serious thing, but it's, it's caused less deaths than the common flu, than the seasonal flu. And the most number of deaths in the last three months, the most number of deaths, the main cause of death in the world is abortion. Not COVID-19. COVID-19 hasn't caused as many deaths as cancer has caused in the last three months. These are certifiable numbers available on the Internet. But with abortion, there have been more than 10 million abortions since January the 1st in the world. 10 million. It's unbelievable. And if anyone would question, I mean, anybody, not just a Christian, just a sane man or woman, why is God permitting COVID-19? I would say, just look at the abortion level, and you'll know why. Because, you see, even one abortion is too many. One abortion, just one, is the killing of a child made in the image and likeness of God. And we have something like 10 million abortions. Actually, at this point, it's closer to 12 million already this week. And so this is one of the reasons why the Lord may be allowing this, to wake up the world. If you stop the abortions, I will stop COVID-19. And Satan, the lion, he's prowling the whole world with COVID-19 and with the fear of COVID-19, scaring everyone if he can. That's why he needs to be blinded. And that's why Our Lady is giving a new efficacy to these prayers. He's never been prowling and roaring like this, and it just might get worse if we're not careful. What's the number one solution to COVID-19? I'll tell you what it is. Become a pro-life Christian. Start voting only for pro-life candidates and work for an end to abortion and pray and fast for an end to abortion. That's the sure-proof way to stop COVID-19 and every other epidemic that will ever come up to the end of the world. Do that, you see. Mm -hmm. So this prayer is a way of helping even to bring it into abortion. Because abortion is truly satanic. It's truly satanic. And this will blind the devil. And Mother Mary said two things in particular really stand out to me in the diary of Elizabeth Kindleman. And again, this diary has an imprimatur. Every page has the whole, every word has the approval of the church. But several things stand out to me when I was reading the diary. And the blinding, Mother Mary says this, is very helpful. She says it confuses the evil spirit. So when we blind the evil spirit through the unity prayer, we're actually causing the devil to be confused. So you have to remember the devil is like, again, like a lion or let's say a cheetah, you know, an, an animal there on the wild African plains. And when they target their victim, you can just watch them, you know, some of those National Geographic specials. You can see their little minds whirring around, and they're waiting for the moment to jump. And they try to quietly creep up on someone. They're thinking it through, you might say, with these intuitions, these instincts that they have. Well, the devil's the same way with the human race. And he's looking for ways. He's always, he's always thinking. His kind of thinking is called plotting. Uh-huh. He doesn't think like in a normal, wholesome way that we call rationality. The devil's very irrational. But he does think in that evil way that we call plotting. 
He's always plotting the demise of man. And that's why the Church has always called him the enemy of the human race. He is the enemy of the human race. And this prayer of the flame of love and this new power that God has given and the Church has approved, it actually puts a stumbling block, not on us, but on him. You see? Yeah. The devil lives to put stumbling blocks in front of us. Now, now we can, it's a whole new game plan. We're going to change the game now. We have a gift to put a stumbling block in front of Satan. We have a gift to confuse his thinking as he proudly say to attack your son or your daughter. And you say this prayer, he's blinded, he suddenly is confused. Like he doesn't know where he is. Like, where am I? Where am I? What am I doing? And it, it, the more that we pray it, the deeper and more profound and long-lasting is this effect. The second point that our Lord and Our Lady brought out to this wonderful visionary, Elizabeth Kindleman, is that the blinding of the devil that occurs, and this is a standard Catholic, a standard Christian thinking. Even our beloved Protestant friends know this, that a, a powerful prayer in the name of Jesus will blind the devil. These blind him, though, in, a, in an amazing, powerful way. And Our Lady and Our Lord said, they use the word paralyzes. That these prayers, they blind the devil, too, by paralyzing him. He can't move. He's like frozen in place. And wouldn't that be wonderful if you saw a cheetah or a lion jumping at you and you said the prayer and they were frozen in midair? Yeah. <laughs> then you could quickly get up and run, you see? Uh -huh. And this is the idea. The Lord explained it in detail to Elizabeth. that If, for instance, I have a son or a daughter who's alcoholic and I begin praying the flame of love rosary for my son or daughter or, or my spouse or my nephew, that what it, does, it paralyzes the devil from seeing your loved one. It, and it blinds him and paralyzes him, and thereby giving your loved one a, a chance to, to first be free of temptations, and secondly, some breathing space to make a right decision towards wholesomeness and towards grace. So it binds the evil effects so as to make possible the breathing of the Holy Spirit in the minds and hearts of my loved ones. And just like you know, like any garden, I used to have a garden when I was a teenager. With any garden that you have, the, you can plant your, your, all of your vegetables and fruits, and you can water it every day and fertilize it. But if you don't pull out the weeds every day, your garden is going to be choked out and will die. Mm -hmm. You have to pull out the weeds every day, especially in a young garden. Every day pull them out or else your fruits and vegetables will not survive. The, the weeds will take all the nutrients and all the water and choke out the good plants. And so the flame of love, it pulls out the weeds. It, makes, it actually paralyzes them. So to speak, they die so that your loved one can live. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I think you were reading my mind. I was wondering if that was something we can apply to our families and coworkers and as we pray it. So. Yes, and you know what? Um, it's good to do it every day. That sometimes we just have to. You have certain situations where we use the prayer, and it worked a little bit, but then the one that you're concerned about is is acting up again. That they're they're going back to it. Well, you see, the devil when he wakes up, like he's been hit with a stun gun, he's paralyzed. <laughs> you see, for twelve hours. Well, you know, then stun him again. 
Don't just let the one sun gun work just for that day. You may have to pray a whole rosary or four rosaries in a row with a flame of love prayer for your loved one. And if you do that every day for a week or a month, you're really you're going to get the victory. So remember that. See Again, you see how private revelation does not cancel out the scriptures. It actually enhances the scriptures. And the reason I say that is the Lord made it very clear that we have to persevere in prayer. That prayer is not like a one-shot deal, nor is baptism, nor is being born again. It's not a one-shot deal. This is a lifelong journey. It is a relationship with the living and beautiful God. And we have to persevere in that journey, in that relationship. We have to persevere in our prayer. So if you're somebody who's really lost, you may have to pray twice or ten times as much. It's worth it. My experience has been this, that God always answers. It's been my lifelong experience that God and his Holy Mother, they have such compassion. And perhaps God brought that person into your life or my life. Maybe they brought them into our lives so that our prayers and our sacrifice would be what wins them the healing and the victory. Maybe no one else would do it, so God entrusted them to us. But my experience has been that if we don't give up and we don't give in, we're going to win. Mm -hmm. If we pray with confidence, if we pray in the heart of Mary, if we pray, yes, with the flame of love, we will win the battle. We always win. (laughs) That's because of Jesus. We always win. Father, this is Jack. This is another amazing interview we're we're still taking notes like crazy here <laughs> and um and i i got to admit i uh i took your advice the last time we were all on the air together and i placed the little unity prayer cards all over the house yes and in my car <laughs> yeah, which is probably where we need it the most right yes and so while it's uh it's something i get a chance to repeat it's also uh speeding up my learning process so thank you for that oh uh, you're welcome and, uh, and folks, if, if you're just joining us, uh, you're listening to the Quest 1160 uh, Catholic Radio. I'm Jack Tyson. We're speaking with Father Jim Blunt. And a couple of weeks ago, Father Jim sent all of us his, uh, what does he call us, or a studio team? Or the studio team? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, team Blunt. <laughs> team Blunt, yeah. With the, uh, the book that he's referenced a few times uh, this afternoon, The Flame of Love book by Elizabeth uh, Kindleman. And, and Father, in that book, early in that book, both Jesus and Mary advise Elizabeth to have no fear, and you've been talking a lot about fear today, but to have no fear, but also at the same time to increase humility. Please talk about being fearless and humble at the same time. Yes, thank you, Jack, for such a um, profound question, an insightful question. And it's a connection that we don't always make between humility and courage. And some great writers have said, Christian and non-Christian, have said that that courage, a man of courage or a woman of courage, that's not someone who never has fears. Courage doesn't mean fearlessness. It means conquering your fears. That even if I do have a fear, I will not let the fear control my actions, my thinking, or my life. So that's perhaps the first thing um, to, to make clear is that all of us will be attacked by fear from time to time. But we want this Christian virtue called fortitude that brings about courage. And so how does that happen? Well, that's when it gets even deeper, you see, because what I've noticed about about fear is that fear has a lot to do with 
preoccupation, with being self-preoccupied, that when I'm totally occupied in my thinking about myself, you see, and my future, and what this one thinks of me and what that one's going to do and what's going to happen, you notice that in, in that whole diatribe of fear that everything is revolving around me. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's kind of, without realizing it, I'm not saying that we're, we're evil. It's not a good thing. It's an evil thing in itself, but the person may not be evil. We're just weak and we're wounded. But you see, with fear, it creates a self-centeredness. And self-centeredness is the very basis of pride. And so really, when we, when, when we see fear, we want to run the hills, so to speak. In other words, stay away from fear. Was it Winston Churchill who said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So I love this beautiful old saying in the church, beautiful, a cute little saying. It's kind of humorous, but the gentleman says this, fear knocked at my door. Faith answered, and behold, there was no one there. Um. It's a beautiful old saying, right? Fear knocked at my door. Faith answered, and behold, there was no one there. Because fear is usually a a threat from from the evil one. It's, It's usually a baseless threat. Because the devil cannot hurt us. The Bible says, the Word of God says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed by the enemy against you, my sons and daughters, will prosper. The weapon will not work. The revolver will not go off. It will be blocked. The knife will not work. The arrow will hit the ground before it even reaches you. No weapon formed against my faithful ones shall prosper. And so there are really strong grounds for courage, not for fear. Fear is usually baseless. But the secret in all of this is that fear produces pride. And the terrible thing is pride then increases my fear. Because what is pride? Pride is a self-reliance. It's like, like I'm perfect. I can do everything on my own. I don't need God. So pride, when I live that way, when I am my own God, well, there's reason for fear then, because none of us can fight the battle of life without God. So it's a terrible thing how fear creates pride, and pride increases fear. We want to go on the other side of this equation. We want to be men and women of faith and of courage, faith and courage. And I would say to the good people, you know, just reading the diary is a, is a good spiritual exercise for our time. That would encourage all of your beloved listeners, Catholics and, and non-Catholics, to get a copy of this diary of Elizabeth Kindleman, because just reading it is delightful. I mean, really, we need to make a movie from this book. I just was spoke, I spoke to a friend about a month ago, a very... A talented friend, well-placed, and he's having the same thought. We need to make a movie, a Flame of Love movie. In the meantime, while we're waiting for that, to read this book. I mean, actually, any approved mystical book, there are several that are quite good, like the Poem of the Man-God or the Mystical City of God. Mm-hmm. These all have the imprimatur. But this is, you might say, our latest one, the Flame of Love Diary, 
Just reading it will increase your faith and your courage. Just reading it. Elizabeth, she outlines, and few of us have gone through what she has gone through. She was, of course, in a way, it's starting to happen on a worldwide level, what she went through. But she was in communist, communist Hungary, and they were distinctly anti-Catholic. Talk about shutting down churches. And they would persecute and hunt down Catholics and priests. And, you know, they attacked her personally, and she was a widow with, I think, six children, if I remember correctly. And they, were, they fired her from her job because she was Catholic. She had no means of income. Her husband had already passed away. Six small children, they even lost their house. They were homeless and jobless. She knew what fear was, you see. And God helped her. The first thing that happened to her and the fear that she, she went through, she lost her faith. She actually lost her faith for a while, which is, I think, one of many reasons why Elizabeth Kindleman um, really is in a model for our time when the lie and the deception of atheism has spread throughout the church and, God forbid, even within our school systems, atheism. The Bible says the fool says in his heart there is no God. Atheism is extremely foolish. All the latest evidence of science is pointing to the fact that not only is there a God, but he's magnificent. He created every detail of the universe. But she lost her faith. Look how fear caused her to lose her faith. And her faithlessness increased her fear. And so reading the book, you see how she was able to conquer this. How? Through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He actually began to whisper to her and to speak to her. And the Lord wooed her back. And you you can see right there that God loves everyone. And even if someone has lost their faith, God still loves you. God doesn't hate atheists. Uh, There are many atheists who hate God, but God doesn't hate them. And by the way, this is a, a truth of the Catholic Church, a truth of the biblical faith. God doesn't hate Satan. Satan hates God. God hates no one. God hates sin, but he loves everyone. He loves everyone he ever made, including angel persons. God loves Lucifer, but Lucifer hates God. See, therein is the problem. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing with atheism. God loves atheists. And if if they would pick up this book and read it, I would think that many, many atheists could be converted. And I would say by conversion, renewed in their faith, renewed in their joy. And so this connection here is very, very important, that fear and pride are deadly. Any of us could fall into it. God, however, always loves you and I. He always loves us, and he wants to rescue us. And the answer is to have a lively faith, a beautiful faith, a faith, though, that's not just mental, not just a memorization of certain doctrines, but a faith, really, that is a relationship. As St. Paul said in Sacred Scripture, that he says the whole, he said the whole revelation, he says it all comes down to this, Christ dwelling within. Paul says that in Sacred Scripture. It all comes down to this, Christ dwelling within. That's what the flame of love is. Mm -hmm. It's a way to make 
Christ dwell within us again. Wow. Thank you, Father. What another incredible hour, you guys. Um, thank you, Father Jim. You're welcome. My privilege. Yeah, and if you didn't get to check, well, if you didn't get to listen to the entire interview today, it's going to be available on thequestatlanta.com and on the Quest Atlanta app underneath programs. And if you haven't downloaded it yet, you just need to go to the App Store or on Google Play, search for Quest Atlanta, and click download. And there's all kinds of Catholic resources on there that are just fabulous. You can find Catholic news. You can find programs on demand from our national shows and to our local content as well. And we're always trying to grow that. So, um, And Father Jim, we know that we want to close this hour with a prayer and your blessing, please, for everyone listening. Sure. Uh, why don't we begin with the three traditional prayers? That the flame of love just enhances all of our traditional Christian faith. So we'll pray these three prayers, especially for anyone who's fighting the COVID virus, who may be in the hospital. We're gonna, we want to pray for their supernatural healing and for their family members to be strengthened. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all humanity. Now and the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And you know what, team? Let's pray the Hail Mary one more time with the insert. And why don't we pray for the governor of Georgia, for our, our beloved governor, and for all the political leaders because they have a very difficult job at this time. Mm-hmm. Let's pray for our governor and our president and all of our leaders with this Hail Mary that God will give them a special wisdom right now. Okay? Sounds good. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for us sinners. Now. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love. Over, over all, all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with, with your spirit. May the unutterably beautiful God, our closest friend, may he bless you, team, and everyone who's listening, may he bless you with exquisite love, with love divine, and fill you with his precious flame of love. May he renew the state of Georgia and the human race, and I bless all of you now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit through Mary's intercession. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, wow. thank thank you, you friend. Father. Thank you, And Father. thank all of you for listening to your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest, this afternoon. Be sure to stay tuned as the Divine Mercy Chaplet's coming up next. <laughs> 